This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Christopher Schindler. Has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. Welcome back to the final part of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast, episode 64. Uh, we'll pick this back up uh, as uh, the guys start to uh, talk about cricket with Andrew Gale. I say I don't like cricket. So as, as usual, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, sadly, at the moment, Magic Rock is closed due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak. But the Welcome Centre, who are very close to uh, what Magic Rock do, are still open. And uh, if you've got a little bit of spare money ha- hanging around at the minute, they uh, are taking a couple of donations for people who are struggling at the moment. So uh, have a check of uh, the HTSA uh, website and social media, uh, as well as the Cowshed Loyal. And uh, if you can help out, that would be fantastic and uh, and hopefully we come out of this uh, quite soon. Have you seen the have proposals seen- to um, have a group administration? Has anybody seen that? Where every every club goes into administration, restructures its debt, and then re-signs its players. Has, has anyone seen the that that's floated? It just seems crazy to me. And I have to correct myself as well. It, Steve Jenkins left to go to Cardiff, so my town knowledge is, is slipping. But he did later play for Swindon. So oh, I could have said that. Imagine chucking a quiz in and getting it. Null and void, null and void the question. Null and void, yeah. Just like the season. Here we go. This week's danger zone. Gail was saying it was unethical getting a treadmill to a cricketer. What about all these teams going to have they're coming back? That's taking unethical to a level never seen, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's on Andy Holt. If you follow Andy Holt's Twitter, uh, the Accrington chairman, he's, he talks about it briefly on there. I think the Examiner have, have posted it. Uh, I've posted the story they, 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 online as well. It just seems it seems crazy to me. But it just there's so many things floating around at the minute that it's there's so many theories and conspiracy. And the SPFL, if anybody follows Scottish football, uh, they've had a vote today, and they decide whether they null and void the season and use a points per game uh, ratio to to declare Celtic as champions. And obviously, Celtic are obviously well well ahead. And Rangers have come up with their own solution as they would because they don't want Celtic to take the title. And uh, but either way, Scottish football has ended. You know, professional has ended. It's just uh, there's a big argument on how to uh, how to end it at the minute, and it's all apparently on a vote. No pressure. We need to move everyone to Belarus because they're just carrying on playing. I don't I don't think Corona's got over there, has it? I mean, I can't believe it over there. Like Belarus football, it shows people in crowd ultras with no gear on and what have you. And just. My words, I'm just crazy in that as well. But honestly, it's just 
It's like today, we should have been at Reading. We probably should have been coming back now on that shocking motorway coming back. But... It would have been nil nil today as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it, a good one to miss today, I reckon. It, yeah, I reckon. It feels as far away as ever from the game. It feels as far away as ever getting back going. I mean, Australian Rugby League have announced a date end of May, but again, they're just jumping the gun. No one's mm. at closed doors. And then it's like when you read into it, it's just a t- tentative and... Yeah, it's just nuts. I think there's going to be a lot of these, getting all these old legends and specials up for many weeks to come, I think, on this podcast. But it's, uh, what are you missing about it most, Jamie? Just take the job out of it. But what what kind of things are just you missing about football? Yeah, I, I get, well, I, I about, about anything, not just football. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, I think I, I, one one personal thing for me that um, I'm I'm finding quite hard actually. There's quite a lot. There'll be quite a lot of people who, particularly youngerly as well, in this situation. But you know, I, I still live at home with with my folks. With me and my my girlfriend, we were looking at getting a house this year. Um, I haven't seen her now for about four weeks, which is really really strange. You know, you don't think about things like that. I mean, we can FaceTime and things like that, but it's just really really weird. Like it, the what was normality for me, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't see her at all now. Um, you know, work is massively changed as, as we've discussed. I really miss the, the feeling of going to a, a stadium, the anticipation, going to a, to, to a game and having that chat about how you think that football game is going to go. I really miss going to the pub with the lads. I mean, I, I genuinely like that first, that first opportunity to get back out to the pub and watch a game of football with your mates. It's like, I think, I, I, that's one thing that's going to be massive when the pubs open again. It's going to be absolutely carnage. Um, but if there's I, any left, if there's any left to open, <laughs> that's it. But you know, I, I think, um, like I said, like we said already, to to a, to a real extent, that you really appreciate what you've got now. It's gone, and uh, it'll be it'll be it'll be nice to have it back and and just have those have those normal things back in your life that you just. You'd have never thought two or three months ago that that wouldn't be there, and and it would be you know to get to get back to the the stadiums and doing the football games, whether it's watching as a fan or, or working again, would be uh, would be huge because I, I really do miss that. It's it's the reason why you do what you do. So I've just had four weeks with the wife. I can't wait for an away game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. That's the difference. Doors open it and say nothing. I'm just, just waiting for something to come flying over then at game. Just. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing for me is, the thing for me on these walks and runs is, I don't want to come back. It's almost like you're back in prison. It's I know it sounds dramatic, but I really don't want to come back because I know that my day is done once I'm back in here. I'm missing just the, the freedom, man, of just mm-hmm. walking and running and chatting. I've ran so much in my life. I've never ran as, as much as I've done in the last few weeks. I've... I've it's probably been the fittest I've been in, in ever because I've actually been able to put some time towards towards it. But, but uh, it, it does I, seem that, like that, again. Talk, it it does seem like everybody's exercise. Everybody's doing more exercise than they've ever done in their lives, doesn't it? The canals. I, I live near the canal, and it's absolutely full of people running, cycling up and down. It's 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 crazy at the minute. Do you know how many people are out exercising? Because it's it's almost like they've been told you can't do something, so they're going to go right. I'll show you. I'm going to get out there and, and do something. So it's. It is. It, it's good, and it's quite good to see. Actually, you know, as, as many people keeping fit, you know, you know, there's the the whole issue about um, you know being being safer. But it's it's good to see that if something good has come out of it, it then maybe it's that people are, are looking at you know doing more with the health and you know health and mind, and hopefully, you know, a lot more people will get fit, and I'm sure that everyone will be a lot happier if they are. Neil, have you got a danger zone on your mind, or, or yeah, even? Self-entrant. He's sulking because he didn't get the answer. <laughs> uh, are you going to have a go to them people again? Malum Cove, 50 people there last week. Some coming from Cumbria to walk. Manchester, yeah. Was it Manchester last weekend? Awesome. Parties. The parties are something broken up. Yeah. Oh, 660 or something. The, yeah. the, What's that about? They're just absolute... I'm going to say it. I'm just out of belief. They're just assholes, aren't they? Let's be honest. It's... It, I'm, the more I see it, the more it incenses me. Because it's, you know, they're not watching telly. People are dying. It's that simple for me. People are dying. All, all, you're, all they're going to do is stop at home. 
It's like when I watch it, I, I, I put it in perspective. It's like when they say, oh, a thousand people have died. It's like I'm thinking that's Preston away end on a Saturday. Yeah. Do you know that, what I mean? That's what I think. That's a day, geez. That's a day now, not, yeah. not, not a day. I know. And you're thinking that's, you look at that away and you think all them people died today. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So that's actually it. I'm saying really, really good for it. Wrong way to say, but it's a really good way of looking at it because it's that that sort makes of gives real, you know, yeah, yeah, it makes it real, yeah. A block sure. of yeah, gone, and that's real, isn't it? it is, we're living it. We're living it at the moment. I think that's one of the hardest bits that I, I've found of it all is, is you, you know, it's you know, it's happening, but it's not it's not really impacted your life directly. But but now, as as the days have gone on, you know, you're starting to hear people that you know or people that you know who know someone else who's who's had it or has you know sadly lost their life because of it and you're like jesus you know that that is really really close to home now and and it it heightens your awareness of it so much more and, and your efforts to 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 just be more uh, stringent with social distancing and respecting the, the cleanliness and and you know and and really just trying to be as, as good as you can in that situation i, I don't know what you all felt but but when when it was announced about Boris, I, I went to bed that night really, really anxious about it, more than I'd, I had done prior to it. I think BBC News had done a, a, a ten had done a piece after they broke the news about Boris, uh, about a, a piece inside a London intensive care unit, and it was just, it was eye opening, and it, and that for me was the real somebody turn. you know, yeah, or somebody you know of, yeah. yeah. Just that, well, you, don't, you don't anticipate the, the 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 prime minister, the leader of the, of this of this fight against this pandemic to be the one to have, have, have be, you know taken ill from it and then uh, to be put into intensive care and it was just a, a really really strange feeling that that kind of overwhelmed me I really. think the thing that it told for me from it and that was one of them because that was just that was sort of a wow moment wasn't it the, the when you found about Boris Johnson but when you see all these temporary hospitals getting put up that'll house 4,000 people I mean it's exactly where you sit back and think, Christ. The thing, that, the thing that got me, Neil, and Spain's out to 15,000 and obviously a place close to that, but it showed this makeshift march and it was were, it were unbelievable. Gee, it were like, God, it were like, ticket officer, you know, it's like A, B, C, and it's just piled with coffins. A, B. It's just like, and it caused a bit of kind of chumming space. People saying they shouldn't be putting that's disrespecting, but you know what? If that kind of thing were maybe on the front page of one of our papers or something like that, that might make a few of these tit ends, these dickheads that are doing this, just maybe take it a bit more seriously. Because like you said, Jimmy, I, I'm hearing stories, so-so lives down here and a friend of a friend. It's here, it's here now, it's not in Wuhan, it's not in Madrid, it's in Clarky and Liversage, man. Just honestly, it's, it's so chilling. And like you were saying earlier, Neil, it's, we haven't even reached the peak yet, and it's going to come back down, and it's uh, it's cutting because we're, not everyone's playing by the rules. And I well, don't that's know. the scary thing for me, like I said before about the peak, is that I think a lot of people have got it in their head that you hit this so-called peak whenever that is and whatever it is, and people think it's done, and it's so far from done, then it's untrue. Mm. But see, this is when you get talking like this, this almost makes everything else, football, the cricket, the rugby, don't really matter, does it? In, in the scheme of things, yeah. when you've got the press in a way and has disappeared. You know, it's a great way to look at it and it's, it doesn't matter. When, whenever they all get underway or don't. We need to end on a positive though, guys. We can't end like this. So, Jamie, I'm coming to you first. I've got What's some quick biggest... cricket questions for Gailey first. You're not getting off that easily, Gailey. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Neil's going to cut off now. <laughs> now. This is a real talk. Sorry, I'll get some popcorn. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just put some shows on. <laughs> Well, go on, Cosy. You can you can ask ask yours first. Sorry, Jamie. What's the biggest gaff you've made it when you've been interviewing someone or or kind of in maybe with your job or on a show or something? Go on. I don't have to name the people, but go on. I'd love to say I've not made any, um, but I don't have to think hard because there's been a, a few. Um, I, I, oh, I'm trying to think if I've done any with Gailey. Actually, he probably remembered them more than I will have done. To be fair, um, very very good. Um, I, I remember. Um, it was more more of a, a slip of the tongue. I was doing a the Bradford game away at Morecambe this season, and uh, 
<laughs> Nobody deserves that, does it? <laughs> it was. You get Hazard pay for that as well, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first game back since I'd been two weeks away in Mexico as well, which was just like. Well, Mexico to Markham. Yeah. That's, now, that's now the new name for this podcast. Mexico <laughs> to Markham. I think that's the name of the episode, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I was trying to say in like a bit of a build-up, you know, uh, welcome to the Lancashire West Coast. And then I ended up saying, welcome to the Wankershire West Coast. But as soon as I'd said it... I, <laughs> I, I liked it. Probably right, yeah. I, it, yeah, yeah. I, don't see a, I don't see any slip there. I don't... <laughs> Just let you stop live going, whoa, right, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not that kind of show. And you look to your right, and the lads who are with you on it, they're just like, they're like, yeah, shit, you just say that. like. <laughs> <laughs> There must be one where you won an inspiration of Winston Churchill's speech there you've cocked up or maybe when you were batting left the straight well come on give us some up there. Uh, I'm on about ending on a positive here and I'm asking everyone the worst things I've done. Yeah, I don't know how that works. You are actually. Um can't think of one off the top of my head, Cos, to be honest. I'm Mine, sure that- Plenty, yeah. but um, speaking, nope. to the, speaking to the press, just reeling off the same rubbish. <laughs> God, nope. stop. Have you ever had, have you ever had a, um, a nightmare run out? I've always think with a batsman, there must be one situation where either you've ran someone out or they've run you out and you've been absolutely livid with one another. Me, you remember Phil Jakes who played for Yorkshire? Mm. I'm still good friends with Jakesy. But there was one season we had five runouts between us, and it was like three two to him. But I always used to sit there with my pads, and I'd just sit there and sit there and wait for him to eventually get out. <laughs> and then he'd come off, and he would never, he was so stubborn, he never apologized. And I kept looking over at him, like after he got out, waiting for him to apologize. And he'd go on for so long, I'd be looking, and he'd look back and look at this, this had gone for half an hour, and then he'd eventually go, well, they were a rum, weren't they? <laughs> hey, what are you talking about here? You messed up. And then we'd have, a, we'd have a 10 minute argument and get it out on the table. But the lads used to joke about, oh no, these two batting together again, there's going to be a run out. Yeah, that year, I think it was 3 2, 3 2 to him. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in with some cricket questions if that's all right. But one, one thing that used to uh, annoy me a little bit, Gailey, so. I'll come to you. So we'll talk about social media a little bit. So you were Yorkshire captain for two championship wins, 2014 yeah. and 15. Um, 2015 was a records points, was it? Record, record yeah. season. Um, coach finished third, fourth, fourth, fifth, decent in the top division. Um, challenge, but, you know, not just fourth, fifth, but challenging until until the end as well. So when you get constantly getting people putting Gale out on social media, how... How do you handle that? Because I, I see it and I just think, for God's sake, you know, it's like they're actually doing quite well. But for someone in your position, how do you mm-hmm. find? How do you deal with it? How do you find that? I came off Twitter about what was it about two years ago now. Um, it just got too much. It just it started to cloud my mind a bit. To start with, it was a bit like yeah, whatever, 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 and then sort of six months of it, it was like. I, don't, I really don't. Why am I putting myself through this? Because after every day's play, or you'd be just looking, and there'd be hundreds and hundreds of messages just gale out, you know. And it does start to have an effect on you, and it had an effect on my family as well. So it, it, the icing on the cake was we'd we'd lost to Worcester at, at Scarborough, and they were bottom of the league, and we were third bottom, and they just had one of those games where they had Moin Ali back. He had a point to prove. He got a double hundred. I think he got 10 wickets in the game as well. He won the game single-handedly. We, we performed poorly. Um, and we booked, um, instead of staying at the, the hotel with the players, as me and me and Brez, we booked a, a, a holiday home around the corner for the kids and all the families to come. And it was looking onto the ground. And my father-in-law came as well to the game. And we were walking back after losing in three days. And there was about eight lads walking outside of us. They'd been on the beers all the day. And they just started verbally abusing me. 
until the point where I thought I'm going to jump in here, and it got a bit, you know, a bit feisty or whatever, and the father-in-law pulled me off, and and I just thought I don't need this anymore. I don't need to be constant abuse. Why, why am I putting myself through that? So I made a conscious decision, like just come off it, because it's just a place of negativity. And if if you saw saw that bloke in a pub or walk past him in the street, probably be nice as piety face. It wouldn't say that, but it just gives everyone a platform to to breed negativity. And I thought, I just don't need that in, in my life right now. So I've just parked that and, and moved on. And it's it gives you a lot more clarity in your thinking of, of what you're trying to do. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Why do I need any external voices like that of, of negativity to get in the way? I think that's where stuff like Twitter need regulating because it's so easy to not be you. And when you're not you, you can sit there and spout pure vitriol at somebody that's, you know, verging on evil. I mean, I know we spoke about this before when uh, about Phil. He had stuff on where people were... When Kobe Bryant died in the helicopter crash, somebody came on and posted that... that uh, I wish Phil Hodgkins had a dying one as well. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and it, it's stuff like that. And you just think, how do you get away with that? You know, what's, you what's that does that? they're not wired are they they're not wired right and if they are you know the scary thing is that that's somebody's son or husband or whatever oh then they after has gone up and gone to work and everyone thinks he's an nice lad at work and whatever else but he's actually an arsehole you know and it's stuff like that where it should be regulated and you should have to put some kind of detail into setting up a Twitter account that makes you accountable whether it be a driving licence number or a passport number or whatever and if you go to Fager, it took off you, simple as that. But the, it sh- I, I genuinely think it should be that far. You should have to prove yeah, your identity yeah. to get on there, do you think? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You People should. were saying about the Prime Minister, weren't they, Boris? About when he yeah, was I, 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 I'm one of those people who doesn't particularly vote for his party, but it's just so horrible to see people wishing death upon you know the, the the guy who's trying to get us out of the situation it's just yeah. i don't know what's going on with some people you, he's got baby due in the summer yeah it's just no, what's it's just low, low, low camber, low it's camber just does on his man club with us we did the podcast yesterday with mark hudson and uh it's that low camber said he nailed it on this one about boris johnson he said take away any political stance that you've got and everybody's got one you've all voted or whatever in a situation like this, regardless of what you think of that man and his political values and his thoughts and whatever else, when all, that, when all that's done and dusted, after all this, he's still a, somebody's son, he's still somebody's other half, he's still a dad, and that it's, that, it's the person, it's not the job or the attachment to anything else that actually counts, it's the fact that he's all those other things that are positive things to him and to other people. And people get really lost behind stuff like that, and that's why Twitter. I don't. I don't. Being in your position, job wise, daily, I don't. I don't blame you whatsoever for coming off because I think it it can do you a lot more harm than good. Neil, I tell you what, I do Twitter because Twitter's been a good for me. I've got to be honest, yeah. just the balance. It's been really good. But what I do now is I follow the right people because I want the positive people in my life. But when they post something. Say, for example, Boris Johnson, get on, get, you know, stay in or what have you. And there's 502 comments underneath. I won't look at them because you just know it's depressingly predictable and that as well. And maybe you're not using Twitter to all its purposes and, and stuff like that. But it's getting to a stage now where I'm just not looking at the comments because you know what they're going to be like. It's like when town, town's Twitter has been toxic in like last 18, 24 months, haven't it? But, you know, and people do some nice stuff, but you just know it's the same people with the same negativity and stuff. So I just, that helps me, to be honest with you. But stuff like that, if I see the Boris Johnson you know. type stuff on Twitter, and then it'll it'll be a couple of people at the top, it'll say so-and-so's liked it. And if so-and-so soon do I follow, and you've liked something like that, you soon follow Done. No, I don't want to see, I don't want to see. Uh, yeah, when your thoughts are that extreme and that... Yeah, that happened with me with Brexit. I unfollowed a lot of people with Brexit, but I suppose we're getting a bit deep. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. the thing that I miss about Twitter is it's a good news platform, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. like you do miss out on stuff. Someone will say, oh, so-and-so signed for someone or in cricket, and I'll be like, has he? Has he? Oh, right, I, I must have missed that. And you yeah. miss stuff through not being on Twitter because people talk about it, and it's the, it's the first hand of news, isn't it? Mm. I, I think that, that, that really... Because I look, I look at it in a, in a in a way that 
part of what we do as, as Radio Leeds and that with sport, it, it's a big factor of how we try and get to fans and make sure that we, we're serving the fan bases in the best way we can using social media as a tool to do it. And I think partly it's, it's helped us find a new base of, of, of audience that we can try and appeal to. But what I strongly feel is that that, that, that social media needs to be a, a skill set that, that is trained to people. I think people need uh, training in the ability to firstly deal with it because I don't think I think it's such a it's such a personal outlet. We you know it, it's it's a it's such a personal outlet that's on a massive massive scale, but people aren't actually taught how to use it in a in a respective manner. Firstly, but also taught how to you know try and build up a if you can an immunity to what to what's there. And, and I don't think it's fair on individuals that they're they're cast into this situation and then and then they're just left on on a on a solemn boy bobbing around in, in this sea of social media that hasn't had that support around them to be able to deal with it because it's a real shame i think gaily that you've you've had to come to that decision where you you've come off it because it should be a tool for you and yorkshire to be able to connect with fans in the in the right manner um so i think there needs to be a, a hell of a lot of schooling around it and i think that needs to be brought in from an early age because if if it's used correctly, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. But it is in the same breath, it's an absolutely horrifically dreadful tool. You see, you see the young the young sportsmen now are uh, young lads. They come into the side. They do really well for a certain period of time, and then naturally, people dominate sport for a period and then lose form. That's what happens to a lot of young players. Now, Twitter, they go on Twitter, you're best player ever, you should be playing for England, blah, blah, great knock, thousands and thousands of messages over three months, and then they go six months without doing anything, you should be sacked. And it creates this, we talk about to players about being nice and level and consistent with their behaviours. Twitter doesn't do that to them. It just creates that massive up and down. And that's, when it comes to mental health, that's exactly why that happens. Exactly that. that it's really interesting Danny Cowley once said, I mean, said, he said it quite a few times this season actually, about when they win, they don't try and take the highs too high from the win, but when they lose, they don't they don't go too low. It's it's, it's really what you're saying there, Gailey. It's having that that level line of, of, of trying not to get too ahead of yourself when you've won, but not get too low when you lose because you've got that that emotional plateau of, of going through it, and that's what social media can do. Like it can make you feel as high as it, as high as anything, and then as low as anything in, in, a, in a matter of moments. I think people don't follow the story, Jimmy. I just think imagine Twitter being around in the middle five ashes when they had amazing swings from hour after hour and stuff. You'd be, you know, people would be getting abused. Peterson, you're a disgrace. Go back and play yourself. Have a go then. Oh, you're brilliant, Casey. It's just like that. That's kind of just mirrors Twitter. It's almost. I think that's the thing that depresses me with sport because to me as a fan. I love the ride. I love the ride of a, of a nine-month football season. I love the ride of a six-month cricket season. I love the ride of the county championship because it's you know it goes on for four days and what have you. But some people instantly, it's like after a wicket, cricket's horrible because you. It's a sport where if you've not gone, so someone could have got an hundred, Jamie, and it's like well played, what have you. It could have been dropped eight times. It could have been, you know what I mean. But it's just like people just want to comment on every over every session. I just think that's where we are today. Instant reaction and. If you're not right up right or you've not got that coping mechanism, as we saw with Caroline Flack, it can have horrible consequences. Just shows, doesn't it? Because those same people who were tweeting them after Caroline Flack, I mean, the hashtag that went around then would be kind, wouldn't it? Yeah. And some of those people would be kind if some of the same people were on there now slating. And, you know, I, I had a bit of a rant about that afterwards because it's, if you put in that be kind hashtag on here, whatever. And you mean it in the best possible for the best possible reasons, and you want that to be what is sold, really. But if you're doing it because you want somebody to like something, don't do it because you're not doing it for the right reasons. It's that simple for me. Would you have, would you have taken the job, Gailey, if you'd have known what what was installed in that respect of of the the, the social media abuse that you you received? Yeah, absolutely. It hasn't really it hasn't changed. It's it's not made me think of why I've taken the job. Mm. Just think, why do I get involved in it? I don't need to. I don't need that part of my life. Um, so, yeah, I just don't need that negativity. So I just shut it off and I don't need it. I've got clarity in what I'm doing. Why cloud it? Mm. 
Can I move on to another question? Are we still? No, go for it. Because <laughs> that was that was a good, really good discussion. I thought that was really useful. Um, really good. Thanks. Uh, the one hundred um, is the new concept that's come in. Uh, Neil, it's fine. You can switch off from this. I know you don't, you don't like cricket that much. But the one hundred, uh, it was quite when when it was muted. It was quite. Um, con- con- it's a bit controversial in many ways because they they're going for sort of the big city culture and. I think there was rumours that York, Yorkshire's obviously a very tribal area, isn't it, with very sort of strong identities, you know, through football and through other sports. So when there was rumours that it was going to be a Leeds-based one and they were going to call it Leeds, there was a lot of sort of uh, pushback from people not from Leeds. And they've gone with, is it Northern Superchargers or some, something now? Yeah. Which, which is, it encompasses Yorkshire and, and Durham, the, those two sort of counties. And... Um, what it, to me, it's it's almost uh, like it's going for a kind of Indian cricket kind of feel, if you like. Um, you know, the kits have come out; they, they all look really good, and the promotion work looks really sharp as well. Uh, is, do you think this is going to change cricket? Do you think this is a really positive thing? The money's obviously going to be great for some of the players and people involved. Um, I think Ben Stokes is going to play for the for what's what's classed as our team, isn't he? Uh, along with a few others, um, how do you think this is going? If it does get off the ground, that is because of what's going on. But how do you think this is? Do you think this is a good thing for cricket now? Now that we've seen it more, uh, seen how it's formed more than maybe what we thought it might have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, take the virus out of it and, and what's happened in the last few weeks. If we we're going into the season as it is, and that the hundred was going on, I think it'd be a really positive thing. Originally, I was a bit like, mm, not sure why they're messing with the game here, but when anything new comes along, you always have that sort of the York, thoughts. The Yorkshire thing, isn't it, as well? Yeah, don't like change. You know, that kind of thing. Don't like change yeah. and, and, and cricket's quite uh, traditional yeah. and they, they, we don't do this. And we had the same sort of conversations about T20 when it came along. Um, but I just think, you know, you're putting the best players in the same place playing the best cricket on the best grounds. People are going to go watch it. It's going to be a good spectacle whether it's 100 balls or 120 balls as T20 is. Um, so I think it's, it's good for the game. I mean, you know, the ECB are going to throw some serious money at it. As I said earlier, 30 million in the marketing. They're going for a different audience. And having been to the Big Bash a few times, you're going for the night out. It's totally different to football. You know, football you go to because of your allegiance you know, we were brought up with Huddersfield Town, so we go watch Huddersfield Town. You go to watch um, the cricket in the Big Bash because of the experience. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. There's more happening outside the ground than there is inside the ground. I take my kids who are all under eight years old to, to watch a big bash game because some of the stuff that happens before and, and, and during the game at, at half-time is unbelievable. You know, they've got motorbikes coming in, they turn all the, the floodlights off in the ground, it's a light show, they've got superheroes coming in. It's the sort of stuff that the kids go, I want to go back to that. And I think that's what they're, they're aiming for. Um, it's not just about the cricket. But it, it is England, so... You know, it could lash it down all of August. It sounds good. Do you think um, on the back of England winning the World Cup as well, there might be a bit of a drive? Maybe it's a good time to try new things. Do you think there's been a positive effect of England winning the the World Cup? And uh, do you think more eyes are on cricket now than maybe what what they would have been? I think there's that feeling, isn't there? 
like the 2005 Ashes, where everyone looked at cricket and they were like, wow, this is this is really good. I didn't realise it was that entertaining. And, you know, with the Stokes thing that happened at Edinburgh and then the World Cup final, everyone was like, people that I know was texting me about cricket were like, oh, wow, cricket's actually really good. Well, yeah, <laughs> but what you're watching doesn't happen all the time, to be fair. Like, what happened in the World Cup final was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. But it, it got people interested in cricket and suddenly it should have been, this summer should have been massive for cricket, massive more uptake and participation in the sport. And, you know, due to the virus, what what will be will be. But um, the 100 could have really jumped on the back of that and I, I reckon there'd have been a massive interest in it. What club? Just I'm changing tack completely. But what club did you play for as a as a junior? I started at Gummersel, and then I my home club was I class it. I, I played for Cleckie in, in the Bradford League from 13, 14 years old. So I class that as my own club. Gummersel pinned him off, uh, Matt. Let's get the truth out. <laughs> Do you know, I, I once bowled at Gummersel. I used to be a little chubby off spinner uh, back in the day. So I once came in uh, from the um, the end where the changing rooms are. So, you know, oh, yeah. so the the onside is is massive, isn't it? You know, down to the uh, the uh, the road behind and the trees. I once came in and I, I, it probably wasn't a, the right conditions for spin, but I threw it in, and there was a batsman for Gummersel hit it that far. It went right into the housing estate, right down there, and obviously the ball the ball's completely lost. But I got I, I, I pretty much got hit into Spen Valley. It was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> So, Who did you play for then? Uh, Skull. I played for Woodlands uh, until I was about twelve, and then uh, I had a bit of a break, and then I played for Skulls in Cleckheaton. Um, I was right. I was hoping your answer was going to be Murfield Parish because I once removed a uh, a left-handed batsman from Murfield Parish who is of a similar age to you who played for Yorkshire, and I was really hoping I could put it on my LinkedIn profile that Matt Shaw. How did you remove him, Matt? Matt just stab him or something with his cricket. <laughs> no, Matt Shaw removed Andrew Gale, 1998, Murfield Parish. That would have been great, but obviously it's not, not the case. But yeah. Um, speaking of which, you you play for England in the 19s, England Lions. How close do you think you were to sort of maybe a full England side? Looking back now, I don't think I was ever good enough. Um, I played in an era where England were really successful, so there was no there was no way in either a couple of really good tours with the Lions. I went to the West Indies. It was a fantastic trip. We had 10 weeks in the West Indies playing in their first class competition. Um, we were based in Barbados. We had two weeks off in the middle of the, the trip, played eight first class games. And I did really well on it. I averaged just short of 50. But you look back at the team that England had then, they, they won the Ashes, the, the top order, Strauss, Cook, Collingwood, Bell, Peterson, there were no way in. Um, had it been a different era and I were knocking on the door and they might have got a little bit desperate and gone a bit left field, they might have gone for me. But I don't, I don't think I was good enough. I always had that ambition to play for England, but I just um, maybe wrong place, wrong time. You must have been very close, to be fair. Um, my 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 little boy is probably going to grow up to be the same size as James Taylor. You know, he's he's he's. I think I'm the tallest in our family, so we we're not at five foot ten. So he's not going to be a big strapping uh, footballer by any chance. So I I he he loves throwing stuff and he lo- he's, he's obsessed with hitting things. And I think cricket would be a really good fit for him. Um, so for anybody like me who's who wants to get their kids into cricket, you run a pro cricket school as well, don't you? Um, mm-hmm. What would be a good way to maybe get their kids into cricket and you know not just for two-year-olds but for up to you know 16 even as an adult what would be a good way for them to to get into uh, into cricket for all ages well i've got a three-year-old lad um and two daughters who are slightly older but i just think anything hand-eye coordination i i take them down to tennis as well um play basketball and drive with them and, and i'm a big believer in just play just having play just messing around you know, picking the tennis racket up or the cricket bat and knocking it, not knocking the tennis ball up. But um, they don't want to be told to do things. Just enjoy playing it for what it is, like hit it off a tee or whatever and make it enjoyable. That's the biggest thing. If you enjoy something, you want to get into it, don't you? Yeah. You want to go back to it. And I just think at times sport's a little bit, this is what we're going to do. This is we're going to pick this cone up and put it there, or we're going to go to that cone and get on the red cone. 
ever. Just 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 play cricket. And um, my academy's, you know, big big on that from a young age. We, we're going to go play and enjoy it, and we teach things that they see on the telly. We're not traditional. We don't start off with a forward defensive or a forward drive. We'll start off with a reverse sweep because that's that's what the, fun, the that's, ramp and stuff like that. Yeah, the fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's what they see. They, they, yeah. they don't they don't come down and go. Oh, yeah, I just want to be like Alistair Cook um, <laughs> or Joe Root playing yeah. forward defensive. They want to be Josh Butler, don't they? Playing yeah. a, a ramp or taking that diving catch. So get them on a mat and do some diving catching. Yeah. Um, get 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 them on the sofa at home and do some diving catching. That's what it's all about. That's why they watch it on the TV. Um, so just do the enjoyable things. Absolutely. I'll tell you one thing, I, I speak from experience as well, and don't get me wrong, that ramp, that uh, sweep shot has put me in good stead ever since I was sorted by Gailey all those years ago. But in, in all seriousness, that, that, that winter coaching that I had from that, that pro coach was, was brilliant. Like genuinely was a, was a really good, not only because I, I, I'd have been about 12, 13, and I, you know, I was in the off season is a really, really good um, program to be a part of. And I can't for the life of me remember the guy who, who coached me, but in a weird turn of events, and I mentioned I'd been netting over the winter, I ended up in Bramley Nets. Um, and the guy who coached me when I was 13 was still doing pro coach stuff in those nets. And I saw his face. I was like, oh my God, like 11 years ago, you you coached me and now you're still doing it. I can't, you might, you know what I'm talking about, Gailey? He got a, he's got, a beard, baldish head. Um, yeah, greeny, greeny. And, he, and it was like, I cannot believe it. you don't look any different as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was mad. Well, the the problem is, you, you go to you take your kids to the nets and uh, the club club coach, and the first thing they do is put them in the net. Mm. You don't learn anything from a net. You just got to you know, take your skill back and do the things that you enjoy in the reverse sweeps and practice them. And eventually when the ball comes down at 50, 60, 70, 80 mile an hour, your brain just naturally reacts then. Nets are boring. <laughs> what is your favourite shot then, Gailey? Because I, I, my reflexes were always always really slow, so the late cut was my speciality, you know, because I, I was never <laughs> fast enough to get out and drive it. What? What's, I've actually uh... got my own shot, do you know that? Go on. <laughs> the lads used to rip it out me. So, you know the slog sweep? Yep. Yeah. Well, I want that quick on my feet, so it was the run-down slog sweep. So I used to play that quite a lot in T20 because I couldn't get quick enough to get to the pitch of the ball. So I'd be slightly short of the left and then end up slog sweeping it, probably plinking it in the gap for two because I couldn't I couldn't hit sixes. So it was um, the lads still say now, oh, we're going to practice the run-down slog sweep. Yeah, Gary, I've got a question for you that I've been itching to ask you. Uh, my, my, my favourite shot's after shock, I think. Sambuka. <laughs> <laughs> He's still here. He's, still here. <laughs> He's gone to sleep, Neil. Don't believe you. <laughs> it is cricket season after all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really wanted to ask you about um, this season, and obviously there's quite a lot of uncertainty about whether this season's going to go ahead or not, but, but in the off-season... The players that Yorkshire brought in, it, it just felt like you were going to have a really good go this season. What with Milan coming in, Maharaj on the first two games, which obviously isn't the case now, with, with Ravi coming in from India and, and getting Puran as well, it, it just looked like you'd really gone for it in the off season mm. um, in terms of recruitment. And obviously now we're, we don't know if we're going to have a season at all. Just what, what's it been like for you to try and digest all that? It just felt like everything was coming together. Mm. Um, you know, having been there and won trophies before, things you always look back and think things just happened for a reason, fell into place, and it felt like that again. I remember talking to my missus in February, and I was like, "Things are just going too well here. Something's going to happen. You know, we're going to go on pre-season tour and lose four seamers, or two batters are going to go down injured because everything was sort of falling into place with like Rooty, his availability, you know, available for." I think it was five games at the start of the year going, bloody hell, it's just short of half a season. Johnny, to a certain extent, selfishly from our point of view, going, well, you know, he's, he's got a point to prove because he has to get in the T20 for England in October. He's going to be available for all our T20 because he's not in the test team. Um, we did all his business early with overseas players. We signed Milan, who had been in the market for a senior batter for a, a long time and got that done by October. So you're thinking, hmm, things are going to fall into place here. 
I thought my biggest challenge was to protect the culture and, and the environment because that's been really good. So bringing people in is always a, a test, but um, I didn't think about, you know, the skills and stuff like that. The, the lads, uh, um, the skill levels of the boys are really good. It's about the culture and, and how we were going to manage the expectation of trying to win win championships. That was that was my biggest concern. So to have that all taken away after we've put this, this preparation started probably last July when we were in the middle of last season going, we're on this journey. We've been in this transitional stage. We've been backing our own lads, which players are going to be good enough, which players aren't, and what we need to supplement them with. Um, made a shortlist of what we needed, got what we needed. Right, we're ready. And we'd had the financial burden in the background the last few years of you need to cut back, cut back, pay off debts. Now you've got some money. You've had a World Cup, some World Cup games, Ashes. You've got a bit of money. Go spend it. And it feels like it's been taken away a little bit. Um, so that's my frustration when I wake up at the, on the mornings at the minute. You miss, as we all do, the emotional part of sport, don't you? the ups and downs. You miss that. Driving back from the ground, you're frustrated. Why did he do that? Why did we do that? Did I get my preparation right? Could we have done this better? Or oh, brilliant, I'm on top of the world. That was a fantastic performance by him, blah, blah, blah. I think that's, um, that's, that's what we're all missing from sport. Keep going, Jamie, if you want to ask, ask a few more. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could take you another two hours. I've got all we're, these... we're not paying you. <laughs> Neil's, Neil's asking when we can finish, I think. Sam <laughs> Buker wants to get off. Um, <laughs> how, well, I suppose to build on the back of that then, how, if this season was to happen, how, how far do you think Yorkshire could have, could or could still go? This, this season, depending on whatever that season is going to be? <clears throat> I think, had the season gone ahead on time, you're sort of breaking it down into little periods. So we had six championship games before the T20s. So I'm thinking that's a massive, a massive chunk of the season for, for championship cricket. You can go into the T20s, place really well, knowing what your championship season is going to look like. On the back of that, you've got to manage which players you think are going to play both. But I think the, the T20 side look really strong. I think the bowling um, would have been slightly inexperienced. Um, so what we can't make up with experience, we would have had to make up or we will make up in a bit of analysis and smart thinking. But batting-wise, you know, you're looking at, you know, the Cole Cadmores, Live who's played all over the world. Johnny, don't know what it'll look like now, but Johnny would have been available. Um, Milan, who, who you know wants to play in the T20 World Cup uh, f- for England. Poor Ant, box office, IPL, what have you. Uh, and led by Dave Willey, who I think is going to be a really, really good change of mindset for him. This is it. This is Yorkshire. This is what I'm about now. England out knocking on the door. Um, you know, Dave's up to up to a few weeks ago. He's texting me every other night, sending me presentations through. What do you think about this? What shall I say to the lads with this? This is the way I want to play as cricket. What do you think? So so enthusiastic. I thought would have gone got gone a long way in that in that competition. Um, but it's easy for me to say that because we haven't played any. So yeah, we'd have won everything, and you know, yeah. uh, the season would have gone to Buckingham Palace and got presented. So. <laughs> Um, do you ever find it frustrating, Gailey, that because uh, obviously football and cricket very, very, you know, very different in that someone gets called up to England, you know, your games are cancelled and you're or postponed, and then you play with your players at a different, different, different date. So, do you know when you're chasing those titles and you've not got Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, etc., etc., does part of you some? I know they get the central contracts, etc., but does part of you think I wouldn't mind seeing what we could do if we had Joe Root batting at four and. Johnny Bairstow with the gloves, etc. It's never really bothered me that much because the players that are involved in it all the time, you can plan for. It's the ones that you can't plan for. So someone like, you know, a few last year or a year before at 
rash, which, you know, his, his test call-up came out of the blue. Um, things like that, when you, you sort of plan your season, and if you have Rooty or Johnny for anything, it's a bonus. But it's the other ones, you know, say we had six championship games at the start of the season, and Adam Lyde goes and bangs out 400s, and he ends up opening the batting <clears throat> for England in the first test, then you can't plan for that. And you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm, I am planned for that. What, what are we going to do? Um, that's where it becomes frustrating. But, you know, the other lads, ultimately, as a cricket as a cricket club, we're here to produce England players. And England, the money that England make filters down to the counties, unlike in football, where the money is in the clubs and England is secondary. So, you know, that's what we're here for, really. How far do you think uh, a player I quite like for Yorkshire, a batsman's Harry Brook, I think he's got quite a lot of potential. Do you think he could potentially push on to, I know there's usually a number from Yorkshire, isn't there, that can, that can push through to England, but Harry Brook with, you're looking at England's top order at the minute and it's a little bit inconsistent, I think it's probably fair, do you know, with some of the players. Do you think someone like Harry Brook, at, I think he's 21, isn't he? Uh, do you think he could push through in the next year or two and there's a few more maybe? I think Harry Brooks, the most talented young player I've ever seen. You know, he's having played with with Johnny and Rooty, um, the stuff that he can do is is above what they could have done at that age. He's got so much more talent. The thing is, them two lads figured it out quickly, and it's how quickly rookie can figure it out. You know, we've seen moments of genius from him, and you think, wow, we've got a player on his hands here, and then he can't back it up with the consistency which you get from young players, and we've seen that in football, but it's how quickly they, f- they figure it out, and the quicker he figures it out, then the quicker he'll, he'll go on to play for England if he does figure it out. You know, it doesn't always come down to talent and ability. It comes, It's about the mindset and what goes on up top. So, um, you know, that's a, an area that we're constantly working on with, with Brookie. And... He's had, a, he's had a good winter, to be fair to him. He's, he works bloody hard. That's the thing about Brookie. It's lots and lots and lots of balls. You know, he's a coach's dream and a coach's nightmare in one because you want him to work hard, and he does, but it means that he stays two hours after training and you're constantly throwing at him and you get home on a night and so you need his shoulder on ice. So he's, uh, he's got everything as Brookie. You know, if, if he figures it out, he'll go all the way. Those throwdowns are a skill in itself, aren't they? I've been told. That you have to do. Yeah, what with the dog stick. Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. On the back of um, of Brook, you talk about the, the, the off season and the winter you've had. Is there anyone that we should be looking out for from some of the younger lads that are coming through? Well someone who I do feel a bit sorry for through all this the virus is Matthew Fisher because we've seen glimpses of what he's about and um, you know he's played for the Lions and, and dominated that and then got injured and the injuries that he's had he's missed so much cricket for him to miss more cricket through this is is a nightmare for him really and um, he's so so eager he texts me three weeks ago I think it was saying is there any chance you can get a net put up for me at Wheatwood um, so I can go on my own and bowl? I just rang him and I was like, mate, there's a pandemic pandemic on here. You know, this is bigger <laughs> than cricket. Like People are dying. Don't worry about cricket. You know, we, We'll have six weeks preparation here. Just, uh, just stay indoors. Make sure your family's fine and, and get on with business. Um, so he, he will be beating himself up about not being able to play cricket. But he's a superstar in the making. I was I was going to say on the on the back of players going on to potentially playing for England, it, it seems like Matthew Fisher and, and I don't know Ben Code maybe as well as as two young young talents. I know Ben's a little bit older than than Matty, but young players still who could who could maybe do it on the international stage. Yeah, I felt a bit for Cody because you know England have I've been banging that drum to the selectors for a while and they've sort of come back and give them a little bit of negative feedback. Um, but he's a good guy. His record is unbelievable. Mm. You know, for a, still a young lad to take the wickets that he has done at an average of what he has done. He's taken 50 wickets a year for the last few years. That's right up there with anyone else in the country. 
Um, but they seem to like a bit of extra pace. So um, it's a fine balance between him going, well, I want to play for England, so I want to put more pace on without losing what he's got as well. So we've been working on a few things this winter, probably more around the gym than technical. Um, so he's just got to be patient as Cody and absolutely knock the door down to a point where there's no one else taking the wickets that he's doing. And someone like Philander in, in South Africa eventually got noticed, got his chance and then tore it up. And then it wasn't about pace. It sounds a little bit like Stephen Finn. When Stephen Finn burst through, he was, he was, light, he was quite fast, wasn't it? And then they all tried to sort of alter him and slow him down and shorten his run-up and everything. And then he kind of just slowly faded off a bit, didn't he, from the England scene? I think he's back on the periphery, but he just seemed a little bit... I think sometimes you change someone too much and it, it, they kind of lose a sense of who they are. Is just a, from a, from my own football coaching perspective, that's always something I've thought. If you try to change someone too much, then they become the person that they're not anymore uh, and therefore maybe they lose just that little something sometimes, but... Obviously, that happened with, with a few fast bowlers. I mean, Chris Wokes was like that as well. So he, he sort of burst on the scene. They said, oh, he bowls 80 mile an hour. You need to go away and work on it. And it took him a long time to come back. And eventually he made his way back. And now he bowls a bit quicker. Uh, James Harris was another one who's now at Middlesex. You know, he was playing at 16 years old. He was, he was playing for Glamorgan, tearing it up. And then said he was too slow. So he, he's totally off the radar now so it's a fine balance between Cody sort of doing what he does being successful but also gaining a yard of pace because he wants to play for England he's ambitious What's it like for welcoming players back to the the, the counter scene thinking about Lydie and, and, and Gary as well when they've been away and they've played for England and, and then they come back what's it like welcoming them welcoming them back into the changing room Are they, have they changed at all in the way that they play? I don't think they've changed and the lads welcome them back with open arms. I think the hardest thing is their own mental state after playing test cricket and being left out. It's a, it's a brutal place where your technique gets ripped to pieces. You know, look at someone like Gary, who's had a successful test career, but they absolutely ripped his technique to pieces to a point where, you know, I think he fell out of love with the game for a while. He was like, why am I doing this? So, you know, he, at times they just want the season to end and they want a break. But because the schedule as it is, they have to stay on that treadmill and keep playing until the season ends and, you know, try snap out of it as quick as they can. And you've seen it a few times. People, you know, Vince, someone like him, in and out. <clears throat> I bet if you looked at his stats when he's been left out by England, it takes him a while to bounce back with his form. I'm, I'm done on questions now. I'm all... I'm all questioned out. Thanks for that, Gailey. Uh, it's been it's been great. I've really enjoyed this. It's probably gone on far longer than what um, I anticipated because I'm just just enjoying enjoying the chat. Obviously, don't get to uh, to see uh, see people that much now with the way things are. So um, so yeah, it's good to it's good to get around and, and chat sport in general, isn't it? So um, just brilliant. just in closing, have you guys got anything you want to uh, to maybe bring up uh, before we uh, bring it all to uh, to a head, so to speak? Totally random for me, but I'm good friends with a Welsh TV presenter and she's doing a show on like 30 years of uh, Welsh football or what have you. So she's told me to put it on and the first thing I saw were you and Roberts. <laughs> and you know what, mate? That guy just brings a big smile to my face. What a legend. But yeah, what a random way to think and finish. But yeah, you and Roberts is on Welsh TV now, channel 134, if you can understand what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe, guys. <laughs> That's my message. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. So thanks, Jamie, for coming on. Um, wish you the very best with Radio Leeds. I, I personally think the work you've done on Huddersfield has been very good. Um, you know, everyone I, I speak to is really happy with uh, the way that you've presented the Huddersfield Town section. Um, Johnny, keep him. We don't. We don't need uh, you or anyone else. We're happy with. Uh, we're happy with Johnny. Uh, with Jamie, even. Um, Gailey, thanks for thanks for coming on as well. It's been great to to chat cricket and. I'm sure Cosy's had these conversations hundreds of times before, but it's uh, it's been good to come on and chat both uh, football and cricket. So, uh, great stuff, guys! Thank you very much, and uh, and thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, and and stay safe, and all the best for the rest of uh, rest of this as well. So you go on home and you sit in your room and you think, now when and how am I ever going to get away from this? And now you know. Come let your hair down. 
Tonight we will walk these streets I used to walk them alone Now we will walk together
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 